Hi everyone, welcome to episode 27 of Did You Watch The Race? This week we'll be reviewing the Qatar Grand Prix, which pushed both the strategists and the drivers to the limits. I'm Colm and I've been watching F1 for four years. I'm producer and social media manager Gemma and I've been watching F1 for four years. We have a special guest this week, joining us from the sunny side of Australia. Jason, you might remember him. Yes. Isn't all of Australia the sunny side of Australia? I'll have you know it's 20 degrees here, Jason. Well, did you watch the race? I did. I uh, was very tired after watching it. <laughs> it was a uh, poor aim here. But Arsenal were playing before that and then the race was on. So I was like, I uh, may as well get a double whammy of tiredness out of the way in one goal. <laughs> I thought you were like watching the drivers exhausted themselves. <laughs> exhausted oh. you. I suppose. God, that's awful amount of work they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Poor lads. Um, I didn't actually get to watch the race. I I was uh, in town and I got home pretty late. I managed to get a movie about thirty percent of the race, and then I watched the highlights. It was pretty boring, to be honest. Really, it seemed exciting. It was, but I very... think that's because. Act, they're like there's a lot of events maybe it was very manufactured content because of the changes they had to make around Pitten uh, I found it just very like even the way Crofty was going on about it being like oh he's going to have to pit this is so exciting what's going to happen it's like well he's going to pit at the last possible time he has to pit and then he'll come out exactly where because it's a pretty determined amount of time on the pit line in Qatar so yeah, I find it very yeah. I, like they were forced the strategy around the pit timings, the, I suppose. Parts. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. just to describe or to summarize, if anyone wasn't aware, um, that this weekend they introduced the FIA introduced a maximum eighteen lap limit on a set of tires. So every maximum eighteen laps. Um, drivers had to pit which obviously created a three stop strategy at minimum and why was that was that that was safety but I don't really understand is it just because tyre deg was so bad because it was so hot uh, I was a safety concern yeah as well was the big the concern I think on the I heard that on the Saturday they actually so the track limits had changed on the Saturday because when the drivers were going uh, over the curbs that it was damaging the tyres so much um, that they had to bring the track limits in even tighter even though drivers were already struggling mm. purely because they were worried about the safety of the drivers so I'd say yeah uh, they, obviously they wouldn't make that rule about the 18 maximum laps if it wasn't if they didn't believe it was necessary I yeah. think the whole thing though was very typical of the FIA and on a more critical side, I think they tried to brush as much of this under the rug as they could because of where it was. So mm-hmm. the fact that none of the drivers were asked before the track was changed or consulted at all for they made rather sizable changes to the track. They brought sections of it in by almost a meter, you know, which is a big thing. And then we're like, oh, sorry, lads, here's a 10 minute session to give it a quick run before you go back out onto the track for a qualifying session. That that wasn't great from the FIA and then you still had, still had Ben Slyam the, the head of the FIA I can't say his name um, 
but he was still there at the end of each of the sessions, you know, running up to shake hands with all the drivers. Yeah, the whole the whole thing wasn't great. And even that, the, the limiting the tyres, limiting the stint length for the race had such the unintended consequence that I think Coulthard asked uh, Max and Piastri about of, oh, this ended up being a full-out, flat-out race because you had all your tyres ready to go. As in the 18 tyres, the, the tyres were well able to manage that. So I think that played as well into why all the drivers were so goosed at the end of the race because they had done a full no-tyre management race. Yeah, yeah, they weren't holding back. They were on the go 100% the entire time to get rid of... Because uh, I remember at one point, um, uh, what the bit of the race that I did catch I was watching with um, the housemates, and at one point... Max was pushing and someone was like, it's weird, they usually ask him to pull it back a bit for tyre management, but obviously he didn't need to do that because he needed to get rid of the tyres in like four laps or whatever it was. And so there was no chill. There was no like... Yeah, and that contributed then to the exhaustion that the drivers faced afterwards, which arguably is far more dangerous than uh, the tyre deg. Like, I can barely sneeze on the M50 without being like, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm going to crash, never mind. Like, having heat stroke oh, basically I just popped a tyre yeah yeah exactly. they're both dangerous but yeah the, given the where it is that's definitely more dangerous the exhaustion level and I, like I if think... it just seemed like such a ham-fisted approach as in being like oh 18 laps that's it that's your stint and I was like is that on every tyre like surely the hard is going to manage these things better if they've made the changes to bring them off the carbs as much surely the hard will be managing that better than the medium or the soft but no it was mm-hmm. 18 for everything and yeah, that's the fact point, that they brought actually. it in after, say, the Saturday as well, meant that teams had used different amounts of tyres. So not that it was unfair, as in, you know, everyone gets given their tyre allocation, that's grand. But I think you would have had a much different approach to tyres throughout the weekend if they knew they were going to need basically three sets of mediums during the race yeah. and then something else to throw on, you know. I don't think it's necessarily, yeah, I know what you're saying, but it not being fair, un, it's not unfair, but, like, it is very much, like, it's a game of chance all of a sudden, where it's, like, you're they're rolling the dice before they yeah. even know they're rolling the dice. Exactly, like, like McLaren had the, three sets session. of mediums for the race, which was very fortunate. But no, like, as in fortunate because they had them, that, that was their decision to have them, but, yeah, like I said, it was a rolling the dice thing. They ran hards for their... Did they not run hards at all? Surely you would have had to still change tyres. So they started on mediums, pitted twice for mediums, and then finished the race on hards. Okay. Now, I think Red Bull did the same as well. It's only a handful of teams ran softs, but... Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think overall it was (laughs) just the FIA being the FIA, really. (laughs) Um, I, I don't know what... Yeah. Qatar, corruption, and the FIA. Yeah, as in, I think if this wasn't in Qatar, if this happened, for example, in Spain, I think there would have been quicker runs to cancel that race or to do something different, push out the time, change something. Yeah, but that's just a sceptical head on the location more than anything else. Yeah, I would agree. It's probably not a coincidence that this happened in a country that is on the yeah, F1 calendar even, because they pay so much money to be on it and don't have a great ethical track record in literally anything else. <laughs> guys, 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 we're trying to get sponsored here. Stop throwing so much Next shit. Next week's Jesus episode Christ. is Visit Qatar. Or the entire Why can't you sell your souls like me? 
much easier. I also did laugh as well, just last thing on Qatar, to see they put up the sold out weekend attendance and it was uh, 120,000 people. <laughs> it was like, it's ridiculously low. Because they, that's the full weekend attendance from Friday to Sunday. Usually, so I think Australia last year was 380,000, something like that. So, yeah, even just that was funny. Oh, Jason, what is your... So there are obviously, we'll get into it later on in the episode about track limits, but obviously one of the repeat offenders of track limits was Perez. And you made a note that you think he's on the out. What's your... What are your thoughts? Uh, I've read a handful of rumours yet that Perez is done. Not shocked. Effectively. And that that's why that's why there's no rush to get Ricardo back in that car because they want him to be fully healed Fair. before that. So basically get him back in the Alpha Tower from hopefully the next race, I think, is also the idea. Also being lost in a, a bit of the fucking, like a bit of experience is what I'm trying to say. Sorry. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then they don't want to do this before Mexico, basically. That's why... Oh, that's a good point. It's been handled the way it is. Now, the, this is this is pure conjecture. Do you conjecture, think he's going to be ousted before so, the end of the season? But, Oh, no, the announcements they, they'll hold it off. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, because there's been some just absolutely horrendous stats. Um, I've seen... So, obviously, Max would win the constructors on his own at the moment, which, you know, that's fair enough, fair play to him. But you still would like... Like, if, if Red Bull are looking at McLaren being as good as they are now next year, exactly, yeah. that they will win the constructors. Sorry, you hold a corner set about the team lineup where he's like, oh, our team lineup isn't as strong as our competitors at the moment. Which is like you have the current best driver and three-time world champion on your team, so how like, you're throwing so much shade at your other? Yeah, like you've the best driver on the grid at the moment, but so our team on average isn't him. as good as our competitors. <laughs> it's just saying how bad he they're rating Perez at the moment. So yeah, I, and he, he's getting to the point where he's bringing the team into disrepute with his performance. Yeah. You know, like that that at the weekend was just excluding well including track limits to a degree, but started from pit lane, Russell was knocked down with damage behind him, and Russell came fourth, Perez came tenth, and 11th on the road, that was a penalties for for Stroll. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, What happened? Like, I just remember, like, last year, Perez was fantastic. Yeah. And at the start of this year, he was doing pretty good. And then I remember at one point, it was like, oh, Perez could still, you know, like give Max some sort of a challenge for at least the early half season. And then like it was like race three and he just dropped off. And I've defended him a fair bit. But it's just very difficult now. I feel like he was a great second driver last year. But that's the thing. He was brought in. He was a second driver. He was a supporting driver. And that's why I always thought it was very harsh to criticise him and put him against Max because his position in Red Bull wasn't technically to, like, challenge Max and that's not the relationship they were looking for. But on the other side of that, yeah, like, like, in, there was being a supporting like driver. Max, and then definitely, yeah, that, that, that is what the second role in, in Red Bull is. But you don't have to support him by, you know, avoiding Q3 sessions that he's in or, you know, staying 40 to 50 seconds behind him on the track. They want, like, the, the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the first year in 2021, he did a decent job of just keeping second team, the, the next team down from being able to pit comfortably, that kind of thing. That's all basically they need him to do. 
and he's just completely abject at the moment. Mm. And I think that's so that's where the rumors are stemming from that the, the performance levels over the last few weeks. He knows he's out, basically. And which you can see, you can understand, I suppose, that it's it's hard to and yeah, look, he's going yeah. up against one of the top three drivers of all time. So there isn't really so much he can do. But I think just Red Bull's patience is just gone. I don't think they care anymore. The Yeah. I also think like I feel like the point last year where Max had won the championship and didn't help Checo out. I know mm, he was like, oh, yeah, Monaco, like this yeah. is for whatever it was. Um he thinks Checo crashed the car or like it was confirmed or whatever it was anyway. Mm. Yeah, I think that was a tipping point of Checo's like, well oh like obviously we've sorted it. I'm putting up inverted commas. Um but like that was definitely a tipping point of Checo being like, well, fuck you. Like, if you're not going to help me out, why would I bother? Mm. And then all of a sudden, he was getting, I think when he started this year, like, he was being more aggressive and he was doing well at the start of the year. But I think obviously behind the scenes, when that stuff's going on, it's going to affect yeah. the psyche. It's going to affect how you're performing. Yeah. And then the worse he does, the worse he does. Do you know what I mean? As like, it's a spiral. It's a negative spiral that he's in. If he had have started this year and everything was rosy I'd imagine they probably would have he's done probably a won better. as many races I as I expect him to win but, but I it's, it's not getting into Q3 it's not being not being ahead of Williams as, and you know like he's he's just have no assistance Max at all during the races which you know so I think they're at a point where they may as well take a risk and throw Gerda back into that car who has a really good relationship with Max was a good driver and they're obviously happy with how he is performing in test duties mm-hmm. and see how he gets on throw Lawson into the into the Alpha Tauri so obviously Ricardo has the Alpha Tauri contract for next year but Red Bull are kind of centralised contracts so there's very little issue moving him from Alpha Tauri to Red Bull if that's the case so yeah we'll just have to wait see I think but yeah I think uh, Perez's goose is cooked for Rip. want of a better word yeah it's not even Christmas yet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the last thing I want to run through before I go, because my laptop's about to die, and I'm just going to also go. Um, Piastri, uh, unbelievable weekend out of them. Wouldn't just, be a podcast yeah. without Jason talking about Piastri. No, exactly. Well, it was a big. I think it was a big talking point for the yes, from the was. weekend. But and Do you I have think a photo what, of Piastri pinned up in your car while you're traveling around Australia. No, he's from Melbourne, though. Oh, oh, go man. visit he's his mum. Um, he's from Brighton you Beach, get... you know, where the like the huts are. Oh, cool! Oh, you should get the uh, hubcaps with Piastri's face on it. I should. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that's a Christmas um, present. But the new reason I want to talk about him is because I love him. No, <laughs> because I think this weekend shows the difference in rookie versus your experienced driver, whatever when you look at how goosed he was and even Sergeant as well, how tired they were, I think when he gets a bit more of that natural fitness from the sport into him next year, it will help us because everyone talks about his race pace not being close to Norris. And experience. Oh, and experience, obviously. Good. But, no, but just his race pace. About, but outside of this weekend, he has been usually a tenth or two off Norris throughout the race. So mm-hmm. I think after this, it kind of shows that where it's like a bit of fitness, a bit of everything. I think if he comes back on an off-season next year, I think Norris could be in trouble, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think me and Gemma touched on it last week as well. I think one of the things he's gaining this year is 
the tire management aspect of it. I know he would have gotten that in F2, but obviously it's not to the in F1. Exactly, yeah. it's a completely different. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, as in it's it's everything that's building up that you can be innately fast, which he is in qualifying, which he's proven week and week, week in, week out. But it's that race management, everything, and even the calmness behind safety cars. When the soft runners Just went by him in the the sprint, yeah, he was like, yeah, no, this isn't this isn't our time. Let's go, let's go. Um, yeah, I think it was a probably standout performance of the year from from nearly any driver over over a full weekend. As in, look, Max has been incredible. You know, outside of that, uh, I think it's it was one of the performances of the year in very very diff- difficult conditions. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's obviously very difficult for Max to stand out amidst yeah, yeah, like, yeah. his season, except for obviously Singapore. He stood out there fairly well. Um, but yeah, for everyone else, when they do extremely well, it's very obvious. And it will be yeah. really interesting to see next year, I think, what Naris does in terms of changing his performance because obviously he's had a little bit of a cushy time the last couple of years obviously Ricardo is yeah. not matching him and I feel like his ego is maybe a little bit too inflated I'd like to see him challenge a, like you know kind of have the pressure put on him by Piastri and really see how he performs and if he's if he has the mindset for it I think Lando has had uh, a bit of pressure mm, like not enough though this is the, this is the second this is the second driver to enter McLaren and win a race before him yeah yeah I guess so I don't Both know Australian but as well. he, he's just but he has a couple of years of praise and like potential quote unquote kind of put behind him he's ironically a very similar to Hulkenberg Rick, Ricciardo I was mm. going to say Ricciardo being oh. constantly touted as a next next world champion all that he was one you know in 2014 15 16 he was popping up winning races that Mercedes weren't winning and then a young hotshot came in and showed him up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think next season will be pivotal for pivotal, pivotal for Norris in the sense of is he going to be uh, a Weber or a Ricciardo who kind of always the bridesmaid sort of driver, or will he push on and, and pick up a title or two, or you know really command that team? Because I think. When you look at how affable of a chap Piastri is as well, mm-hmm. he, he could go on either way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know, you, you, Piastri isn't. I, I can't see him being the type of guy to go in and be slinging shit at the team or anything like that. So yeah, yeah. Also, interesting stat now that I looked up after the race, Lando is he currently has the title for most points with no win. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. Wow. That's not not they're not titles you want to have. No. no. Right, I'm going to leave you at that. So thanks. I'll try to be back on to you next week. Yeah. Thanks but very much for coming on. Perfect. No bother at all. Thanks very much, Jason, for dropping by. Very kind of you on your road trip as you're uh, in and out of podcasting. Right. So down to the serious business. What did we think of the Red Bull performance? Let's start there. Is Red yeah, Bull Fair the the talking point um, of the weekend? We might say with Max. So yeah, obviously winning the 
Drivers' Championship on the Saturday. Didn't even need the mm. race. Although, in fairness, I do believe, even though we've literally just talked about Perez, I do believe Max's victory was due to Perez crashing out in the sprint race. Yes, probably, actually. Because he had to get... Mi- no. It, as long as he got third, wasn't it? Yeah, but he was going <laughs> to... Like, he was going to... Anyway, yeah. Fair. I'll go, I'll, and obviously, we just talked about Piastri as well, so very fair play mm-hmm. to him. Um, being probably one of the only people that actually has bested Max this yeah. season. It, I know Max had his issues and stuff, but like, uh, Piastri was able to hold it for... 20 laps yeah, incre- incredible to be quite honest um, and like even the, the gap between them was decent enough I'd like to think if memory serves me but overall I think Red Bull you know Max is the big the big news story I mean well he is and he is and we all knew it was going to happen so congrats to Max yeah absolutely raging to be past Piastri as well your first win and I really not felt only that's not a full race but it's also like all all the media were flocking to Max to be like oh like third time world champion and it's not even like he's done something that he hasn't done before like fair play to him to being championship but everyone obviously saw it, it was only a matter of time Piastri. yeah like it's just funny like, yeah, they literally pulled the car up to the um, where the podium thing was and the graphic was like Max Verstappen world champion I did yeah. feel bad for Piastri with that um, and That's obviously funny. The other funny moment from that weekend with Piastri is he finished the qualification. Yeah, he qualified P three and was interviewed by Sky. And during it, um, Naomi Schiff, who was interviewing him, was basically given the 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 news that he had his lap time deleted and he was dropped down to P six. So he was told live on air, <laughs> and his reaction. Yeah, I saw that. Was just he gave the thumbs up and he was like cool yeah okay great <laughs> I feel like that, that's exactly what we're talking about though he's so non-reactive yeah. like he doesn't like he doesn't fly off the handle he's very much like look that's what happens yeah let's move on he, it was very it was very funny like almost the deadpan of like cool awesome hmm <laughs> it's like have you seen that I'm sure you've seen that clip floating around of the guy that's on the jetpack <laughs> it's not a jetpack but it's like the Iron Man sort of thing he's flying across the track and he falls I think it was one of the American races yeah and it, like he falls and takes a massive tumble and it cuts to Piastri and he just looks at the camera going, oh, well, like it's so fucking funny. Oh, he's great. He just, I think he, well, he's a Gen Zer, like he just gets the, the meme culture and just, uh, he's leaning into that and he's doing it very well. I don't know if it, he's leaning into it so much as that's just who he is. Maybe a little, maybe a little bit of both, I think. Yeah. Um. So that was so that was Red Bulls and then moving into McLaren. I mean, was there anything else to note? I mean, Lando Norris obviously came P three. It was great weekend for the McLarens in general, but especially with the race. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add about the McLarens? Yeah. Um, I think obviously they had a fantastic pit crew this weekend. Um, there was a couple of issues with strategy, I think, and they, whenever they were coming in, they, were, they weren't really getting cleaner. But again, with the 18 limit, the 18 laps limit that they had, it's probably more difficult to strategize correctly where you can get the most from your tires and find a good pit window where you can 
let them out into clean air so it's probably unfortunate however the pit crew themselves were absolutely fantastic so they got the 1.8 mm-hmm. seconds yeah this weekend which i think is a world record for these regulations mm-hmm. so fair play to them pretty amazing i think that's red bull level of of good so that's an, an incredible achievement um and also actually speaking of strategy it was interesting that um lando norris was given obviously team orders not to fight against piastri i think it was maybe halfway through the oh, race yeah, I saw that, yeah. mm. and he was questioning it a bit now like afterwards uh andrea stella who's the team principal was interviewed about it and asked if there was a little bit of tension or or what was the reason for for Lando pushing back but his diplomatic response is that they encourage that from the drivers and that they want to hear their opinions I think maybe that's a little bit bullshit but I think there was a pretty uh, I don't know if it is I feel like I think it in fairness sorry I was gonna say I think it is fair enough but I th- I don't think the way that Lando was doing it was doing it correctly if you know what I mean like it was like really seriously more so than other constructive feedback i don't know no like i feel like that's very fair like in terms of where there where he was during the race uh, he was doing very well he felt he was very fast in every other situation it was like oh yeah you guys can race but i think just with the exhaustion and stuff obviously they made their mm-hmm. call that they want they wanted to hold positions which i think is a very good call um but from lando's point of, or, bleh, from lando's point of view why wouldn't you race? Do you know what I mean? If he was feeling good. Because at the end of it, he was feeling great. Like, he was standing up talking to people. He wasn't nearly as exhausted as... Uh, Piastri. Piastri or Max. Even if you watch the post-race room where they where they go in and chat, you could see Lando was... Like, he was in good form. The other like, two were so, on the floor. <laughs> yeah, but he probably didn't realise that everyone else was struggling mm. so much. So from his point of view, he was like, look, we're fine. Like, we can race. Um, whereas from their point of view, it's like everyone is dying yeah like let's just make sure everyone gets home safe um and also i feel like what andrea seidel was saying is it andrea andrea seidel is the old mclaren principal it's now andrea stella sorry andrea stella so what andrea stella was saying like when they're encouraging team or like their drivers to be more questioning the decisions that they're making i feel like that could be a genuine statement and because like when you have a cohesive, when you have a cohesive working, um, like team, mm-hmm. realistically, it like you think, oh, there should be a lot less problems, but realistically, there's actually a lot more problems with cohesive working teams. Not because there are genuinely more issues, but because people feel comfortable bringing issues up. Whereas when you're you're in a toxic work environment, if an issue happens, you cover it up and you don't talk about it. So there's a lot less reporting of issues. Whereas I feel like. If Lando feels comfortable enough to be like, why are we doing this? You know, that's a sign of a good working relationship. That's a really in my, in my eyes, anyway. good observation. I never thought of that. And that could really apply across any workplace. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my that's my opinion. If you have people questioning, that's probably a sign that they're comfortable enough to I think that absolutely raise makes sense. questions. So I feel like when Lando talks like that, that is exactly what they're trying to foster. Because sometimes if they question it and they're like, actually, you're very right. And they'll go and rethink their decisions. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's a great, good observation, Colm, for sure. And I think it is interesting also then to hear the feedback of allowing Piastri to push. And I think that's really like important for um, Piastri to be given that like 
encouragement and support that he is being you know that basically he's given the opportunity not to have Lando completely up his hole the whole time yeah 100% and also they obviously want to foster what they have in Mm. Oscar like he's shaping up to be a really good driver obviously sorry he already is a very good driver shaping up to be potentially a world beater Mm -hmm. so they obviously don't want to discourage that and be like oh yeah of course Lando's our number one or whatever Mm, and then encourage him to go I don't think letting them race would have given that message but still I imagine they're kind of like they're aware of it yeah, they're aware of it and they want to foster it, so. Yeah. Okay, do we want to move on to a, another team? What team would you like to discuss, Colm? Let's talk about Mercedes. Mercedes. The drama there. Well, what happened? So I saw 30% of the race, I said. I saw all of Lewis's race. <laughs> um, from multiple angles. So on lap one, there was space for Hamilton to come around the outside and George had already, he was already trying to come around the outside of Max and unfortunately Lewis went to squeeze, didn't realise that, well it looks like he didn't realise that George had no space to go in and I think George did try to pull out near the, towards the end but at that point there was no room and there was no room to pull out because behind his front wheels were Lewis's front wheel, or back wheels mm-hmm. and obviously they collided and... and the rest is history and I'm sure that one shot of Lewis walking back in slow-mo with Russell in the background is going to be 100% milked on Drive to Survive. It is such an epic shot whoever got that. It is. It's a brilliant shot. Give them a raise that was pretty amazing and his wheel went flying like it's actually quite an incredible like crash shot and what's even more incredible is that no one else was taken out like the the Mercedes literally took each other out well they didn't take Hamilton didn't take Russell out but like in the moment they did, and there was no one else caught up in it. Alonso made very good quick moves to keep himself safe. Mm. Although it did look on, like from a wider angle, it looks like he swerved more in towards where Russell was going, but sure, he didn't know where he was going to spin. Yeah. And then also that really opened up the gate for Piastri to get through. Which was fantastic. Couldn't Nothing could have, have gone better for, for him. But, but in fairness to, obviously Hamilton then was straight out of the race, but... Russell clawed his bloody way back. He was not oh my giving God, up. Yeah. Very good. I couldn't believe that. I um, I need to check what place he finished. I think he might have finished in like P5. So Russell actually finished in fourth, which is incredible. Incredible. Fair play, Fair play. He was, he really, like he was so determined. I think he just, he was so pissed off. Um, because he made a comment on the radio then that he said that it's the second week in a row. So he had been run wide, I think, by Hamilton the previous week in Japan. I don't re- I don't remember him being run wide by Hamilton. I don't either, but apparently it happened. I remember them scrapping a good bit. And from my memory, it was mostly George's Probably. Uh, issue. I would say he was just having a whinge. Classic George. But then yeah, he pitted straight after. They had a front wing out, but they actually didn't put it on. So I don't think they had, he had damage. And then he was away. Not a bother. Fair play yeah. to him. That was, that was a great drive from him. Uh, and actually, I, I just seen, oh, as I checked the results, that uh, Leclerc's in P6 totally forgot uh, the Ferraris existed, to be quite honest. Obviously, signs didn't start because he had like a fuel link leak problem or something 
so he wasn't in the race but Leclerc genuinely could not tell you a single thing that he did in that race I think he had a few scraps (laughs) potentially with Alonso I remember seeing the car on the track a few times but I don't think there was any mention of him and especially there wasn't any mention in the highlights no he probably just had a quiet race and that's just the way it goes like unfortunately this track I think uh, I think Ferrari in general are having issues this year with tyre management Mm -hmm. And that's pretty evident in even the races that they've done well in. Where the one where Carlos Sainz won, he was really struggling with the tires, and he had to do that whole trick with the DRS with Lando behind him yeah. to finish that. Um, and so, I don't think this track suited them at all. I agree. Unfortunately, it it wasn't meant to be. So there wasn't a lot to report on Ferrari. Um, in terms of their competition i guess in the constructor this year aston martin were you mean alonso (laughs) so briefly touching on stroll who made headlines over the weekend for his uh aggressive behavior basically like got out of i think he qualified what happened i missed all this really oh so he qualified like p in the bar he he was out in q1 i think it might have been like p18 something shocking and he parks the car. He So his onboard camera in the garage, as he got his steering wheel, he threw it across the garage. Uh, he like got up and um, his, I think his like PT was trying to talk to him as he was walking from the car to the kind of, uh, you know, the inner part of the garage that's hidden. And it's kind of, this, the scene is, obviously it's very busy with other mechanics, but you can see that, uh, Stroll is like sh- shrugging him off and then the PT like actually goes kind of put his hand on him and he basically kind of looks like he gets his elbow and shoves him and that obviously brought everyone went a bit mad with that um, because obviously he can't behave like that but it's clearly the frustration that is coming through and I would say the mind games are just completely getting to him I would say he is mentally like not not with the program at all and i think that's oh yeah his season's in the toilet yeah like. and it's just getting worse and worse and i imagine he also has the like echo of ev- all the media basically saying that he's only there because of his dad and that probably mounts the pressure and it's a cycle i would say um because he usually strikes me as someone who's quite chilled but is i don't know yeah i have a very different vibe from mm-hmm. him than you do i don't know um from my point of view, I don't think he's chill as much Maybe as Maybe I'm a Lance apologist. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before. I don't necessarily, I don't dislike the guy, but I've never warmed to mm. him, I think, as much as you have. That's from a personality point of view. I do think he's a decent enough driver. I do too. Yeah, so there must be this something. has been absolutely terrible. Yeah, though. there must be something else going on. Um, apart from him not I'd being say- a good driver, there has to be psychologically something I'd say it's 100% his hand, like the way he started the season broke his hand mm. was on it came back a bit early was on meds and by the time he recovered it was very difficult to make it back and the weight of that on his like mental state probably was too much to put in good performances yeah. like I think it's a very funny thing pressure mentally when you're performing at a high level like the best way to like from my experience when you're performing anything like to a certain degree the best thing you can do is not think at all and just let yourself be in the zone but if you have so much pressure that like i imagine the guys that aren't doing well 
it's so much more difficult mm-hmm. to get it right. Because when you get it wrong, it's just agonizing and frustrating. And then you get more angry because you're angry at being angry. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I just say he's just in this, like see him as Perez, he's just spiraling. Yeah, totally. Panicking. Um, And I do feel for him because obviously the more you get into that spiral, the harder it is to get out of. So for him, I think it's just head down, just fucking finish the season at this point. Yeah, like the, the what's one of the things, you know, if you're playing a video game or if you're playing, maybe not football matches, but like usually if you're playing most things you're doing for enjoyment, realistically mm-hmm. at any point you can quit like you can say look i'm not enjoying this i'm gonna leave or i'm gonna resign or i'm gonna take a bow here yeah. but like he can't turn a race and he can for the season so and especially this is your like i know it doesn't matter to him because he probably has enough money but like this is your job you just have to get on yeah. with it tough tough alonso on the other hand had a pretty good race he was complaining of a hot bum about halfway through so he said his bum is very hot and he suggested to the pit crew if they could pour some water over him while they changed his tires yeah so obviously again if jason was here he could shine more light on it but i think that they used to do really? that in old years like definitely in like a long time ago i think they'd done that when the cars were like a lot less aerodynamic mm. and the weight wasn't like a massive thing but like the the car was super hot. They were racing in warm places. Like, I think they used to just chuck literal buckets of water on them as they drove Sounds by. Sounds delightful. Like, they'd slow down and they'd go, tons of buck, like, bucket of water and they'd drive on. And I think they did try something when he arrived and I think they tried to mist him a bit. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's going to help that much. He's already drenched in sweat. I can't imagine how uncomfortable that would be like that. He said it was it was burning. That's how he described it. And that sounds... Yeah. Awful. I think you also saw at one point George was racing and you could see him put his gloves, or you could basically put his, both his hands on top of the steering mm. wheel, trying to cool his hands down, trying to get some air. And I think he was like wafting air into his face. Yeah. But to that warm roasting anyway, it probably didn't make any difference. Yeah, he described it as a hair dryer blowing in your face, which sounds horrific. Like you can't escape that heat. And as someone who, who does not thrive in the heat, I can only sympathise. I absolutely love the heat. But yeah, it absolutely ruins you. Yeah, exhausted. Completely. So I think Alonso had uh, a decent enough race. He did go into the gravel at one point. He re-entered um, via the emergency road, but he he re-entered just in front of Leclerc. And I'm surprised there was not an investigation further into that, where he was he's very close re-entering um, in front of Leclerc. I saw that. And in fairness, I think that might have been the camera angle. Do you reckon? So like if you, yeah, like when you're watching, when you're watching maybe not more modern action films but an old like when i say old i mean like 10 15 years ago action mm. films they used to do this all thing about called stacking where the punch would be towards the camera so that the, someone would stand in front in front of the camera and they'd go over their shoulder and then the person would punch towards the camera so you couldn't actually see the distance that okay like how far away the fist actually was and so when you look at that shot the cars are driving straight towards the camera and you can see him come off the track and he pulls in front of Leclerc. It looks like it's right in front of Leclerc. Mm-hmm. But I'd imagine if you got that from a different ca- camera angle, you'd be like, oh, there was tons of room there. Like, yeah. 
that's just my that's no, just my I was, I was perspective. Just thinking that yeah, if there was no investigation, it probably was just the camera angle, which is which is very true. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Um, I was thinking there that if it wasn't under investigation, it probably was just the camera angle. So then, speaking of actual penalties, do we want to do just a little whistle stop tour of track limits? Um, I'll do. It. Yeah. Gasly, 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 Perez, Gasly. Um, You're missing someone. Ocon? Mm-mm. We just talked about him. Uh, Stroll. And then I think obviously Hulkenberg also got penalty for 10 point penalty for, or sorry, 10 seconds penalty for parking in signs of spot. Yes. Or pulling into signs of spot for start Which of the race. very silly of him. In fairness to him though, like, if you're just following the car and he's done it so many times... Probably just forgot and was like, "Oh yeah, I'll just get into the next space." Big boo-boo. Shite. I know. Ten seconds is a is a harsh penalty, though. I yeah. In fairness, though, it would be much worse if the other car was still in the race. Imagine if he pulled in there, right, mm. and signs. No, that wouldn't be possible. Never mind. <laughs> what that he, but he be fun- flew in was like that's mine. Yeah, but imagine he parked there, right, and then signs had to pull into his space. Would Sainz get a 10 second penalty because he started in the wrong place even though he's already getting penalised for someone else taking his spot? I wonder. I don't know. I don't know if that's ever happened. No, I, I doubt it. I, that's what I was saying mm. when I was thinking it through. I was like, that's impossible because obviously you have to follow the car. Yeah, so it would be wrong formation. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, FIA yeah. probably make up a, a punishment. So if you would like to know the exact order according to my notes, so please no one come at me if I've written these down wrong. We obviously had Hulk and we had uh, Oh, Gazi had a slow stop. So I've written that in my notes. So we've had Perez, Perez, Stroll, Gasly, Gasly, Albon, Stroll, Gasly, Perez, post-race. So Perez actually got a, a further five-second penalty after the race, which bumped Joe up into P9 and bumped Perez down to P10, which is just... We're not going to even comment on that further. So Gasly had, I think, a total of 20 seconds, at least 15. He had at least three. So he was having a terrible time of it. Um, and as Jason said earlier, it's probably because of the, the changes in track limits. Very last minute, I would also say a lot of them were probably delusional on lack of hydration. So Yeah, I'd say tra- track limits exhaustion yeah. and also the tired legs so I they're probably sliding around the place yeah exactly exactly so Albon was in there once as well um, and again because he had to be helped out of the car that doesn't surprise me yeah I'd also imagine at a certain point you know if you're having a shit race and you can't control the car you're like fuck yeah. this what's another five seconds yeah what's another five seconds on this zero point race totally totally and speaking of which speaking of William so um, the the notable mention there is Sergeant obviously I think about halfway through the race uh, had to retire because he felt really ill fair play to the 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 Williams team I mean he was on the radio uh, a cup maybe like five laps before he retired saying he felt really ill he felt faint he felt really nauseous um, and they went back and said just keep going but see how you feel and then I think Sergeant was again on the radio before he retired saying how awful he felt and his engineer whose name I can't remember 
had said like look there's no shame in retiring like if you're sick you're sick basically and I thought that was just really nice he was he was making noises of frustration but I think it was probably for the best that he retired because because obviously he was not well and like again fair play yeah. to him he was a rookie like dealing with that condition driver safety is paramount obviously yeah. and I can imagine like being in one of the worst cars could have been more of a strain if you're trying to push a bit more. Yes. Yes, because you're obviously on the back foot to begin with. So, and he, Sergeant had a decent enough start and I think maybe there was like a hope of a point in there. So he probably just overdid it or didn't know how to pace himself, which in all fairness, it's it's a totally new experience for him. And then speaking of illnesses uh so gasly was flying around the place somehow akon managed so akon after the race said to his engineer that he threw up in his helmet on lap 15 so he first somehow did not exceed track limits once despite basically having vomit in his face for two hours so akon got sick in his helmet i don't really know the the gory details of that one but obviously extremely gross and uncomfortable for him there was i mean was there reports of what was like what he had eaten before you know Mm. that's important um no i imagine it was was there chickpeas in it stop Callum. no 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 i don't like vomit oh i mean (laughs) oh good because i do oh no i it mustn't have been that bad because surely if you get sick like it's going to splash up against your visor and you're not going to see oh god okay no i can't the worst bit is like if he got sick and was in the helmet surely the smell of it would make him get sick again again. no sorry we need to move on I can't I can't do vomit at all so how many times did he vomit once and what colour was the vomit no colour anyway (laughs) Akko got sick 15 laps into 57 and that must have been really awful and that's the end of that conversation moving on gross sorry people are probably going to listen to like eating their breakfast or something in the morning don't get sick into your cereal bowl. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I think for me, that is all of the notable moments. Sorry to Haas, apart from Hulkenberg, penalty, nothing happened. Sorry to Alfa Romeo, um, Joe got in the points. Actually, Joe, shout out to Joe, my boy, pulling through. He he started last and he finished P9. And he was delighted with himself and I am delighted for him. Fair play, Fair play yeah. to him. Bottas, I don't know what he's doing, but, you know. So, on to the race rankings. I would be rake, raking. I would be rating this race. I'd be raking. Raking the money in from all these ads we have. Raking it in. We are sponsored by... Come on down to mix mattresses. On to the race rankings. In my opinion, this is a low ranker for me. So, we have 16 races excluding Imola. For me, it's so, it's bottom of the pack. It is shocking down. That bad? Huh? That bad? Yeah, I just, it just, nothing happened. Nothing happened in between mm. the highlights. Do you know what I mean? Fair enough. Yeah, I watched the highlights and it seemed exciting. I think because all the highlights were big events. So, mm. you know, with the crash, the tire management... And obviously Max winning the championship, Piastri winning the sprint race, 
him and Lando having a really good race in the pit stop. Oh, so like from my point of view, there was a lot of big things that happened, but not necessarily add up to a good race mm-hmm. because every bit in between that was so dead. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I I I would agree. Like it's one of those races that I would recommend you watch the highlights for. Oh, fair you enough. Know. Well, then I done it correctly. Yes, you did. To me, <laughs> this is so our bot our bottom three, right, excluding Emilak, which didn't happen, is. Jeddah, Baku and Bahrain and I would arguably put this in between Jeddah and Baku mm, maybe above Jeddah I think yeah potentially like Hungary is there and it was quote unquote an interesting race but ultimately uneventful mm-hmm. so I love that you're quote unquoting one... yourself there in your in your notes <laughs> Colin Galligan 2023 um still like i'm the only one taking notes here Gemma, Jesus yeah Christ, no. apparently yeah <laughs> i don't take any notes um i'm joking but um in terms of what i'm reading there it said it was an interesting race it was slightly uneventful so this one had a lot of events true and was i guess an interesting race maybe not as exciting so i would potentially put it above hungary from okay. from my lack of memory and and fantastic note-taking I would put it below Hungary. This is... Do you remember it? Uh, no, but I also don't remember a lot of things. My short-term memory is not great. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy. Maybe in between Jed and Hungary then, number 13. What's, what's, uh, what's between... What's after Hungary? Or what's higher than Hungary? Canada. Canada. Uh, Canada was kind of boring too, wasn't it? My notes say it was an exciting race. Oh, yes, it does, actually. Oh, Alonso Hamilton fighting for P2. No, okay. I would say... Let's go below Hungary. Let's go below Hungary. Okay, so we are top... Our bottom three are still Jeddah, Baku and Bahrain, but the fourth lowest is... I've forgotten. Qatar. (laughs) I forgot which race it was. That will be all from us this week, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Thursday with a preview of the Austin Grand Prix. If you've enjoyed the podcast, be sure to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen. It really helps if you leave us a review there and make sure to tell your friends and family to give us a listen. We're also on Instagram at Did You Watch the Race, all one word. And while you're there, have a look at Coley Illustrations, who do all our lovely artwork. So, thanks for listening. I've been Gemma. I've been Colm. And we'll see you next Thursday. Ciao.